Hello, I'm Friedel. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the Traveling 2 Radio Show. Um, this time we're coming to you from Iran. An awful lot has happened since our last show way back in Damascus, and we've got lots of thoughts for you today on cycling all around Iran and arranging your visas for Central Asia as well if you're going further overland on the Silk Road. And we also have interviews with people we've met along the way uh, recently, uh, so uh, let's get started. Welcome to the show. That music you were just hearing is courtesy of a group that we just stumbled across playing amongst some ruins near Shiraz. It's one of those wonderful discoveries you make on the road. Today we're in the city of Qum, which is just south of Tehran. We're actually on the roof of someone's apartment building, but more about that later. Uh, Qum is the most conservative city in all of Iran. All the religious clerics come here to study. There's a huge shrine, it's the second holiest one in the country, and all the women here wear shatters, or almost all the women, and a shatter is a huge piece of black fabric that covers the whole body, more or less, except for the face and the hands. Yeah, you see them everywhere here. Um, but before we came here, people said, oh, you're going to come. Oh, they were actually quite scared of it. I don't think they uh, they come to the city of Qom that often. Uh, but just like everywhere else in, in Iran, we've uh, had wonderful time here. Uh, people have open their doors, and uh, we've been very welcomed. And when we say that local people have welcomed us, you might be surprised to know that actually includes two Americans. You don't meet a lot of Americans here in Iran, and their names are Linda and David. They're two Quakers, and they're here in Qum on an exchange, uh, doing some studying at the religious institutes here, while their counterparts from Iran are actually in Toronto. So between all their classes and Farsi lessons, Linda and David have found a place for us in their home, and we're so grateful to them. They've really given us a much-needed place to rest and relax, and so a big, big thank you to Linda and David if you're listening. Yes, we really appreciate the, the warm welcome they've uh, given us, and because uh, it's been a bit stressful over the last few few weeks. I know it sounds a bit strange to be stressful and not have a job, but it has been. First, it was the, the weather that really delayed us in actually cycling any, any bit of Iran at the start, uh, and now uh, we're, we're really just trying to sort out our, our visa situation for Central Asia. Yeah, we've been here for about two months, but we've only done about three weeks of cycling because of all these things going on around us. and. Oh, the visas, I don't even want to think about it anymore. It's like this project that just never ends. To bring you up to speed, what we're trying to do is arrange our visas for Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. And we started on this paperwork back in the middle of January. Yeah, back then. And we're still not done. And the latest delay is that we were in Tehran yesterday, and we thought we were going to get our Turkmen visa. We were ready to go. And then we found out that the embassy actually requested the wrong kind of visa for us from Ashgabat. So now we have to wait maybe another week for them to put things right, and that's going to mean another couple trips to Tehran on the train. We've met quite a few people along the way who've had uh, one delay or another getting these visas. So we're not we're not alone in this, uh, this frustration we face. So if... If you're planning to do this, you know, block off at least two weeks, maybe three, depending on uh, problems, um, and count on going back and forth to Tehran uh, a few times. It's not it's not the, the finest job, but it has to be done. Yeah. I'll add a couple more tips. Uh, you definitely want to go as light as possible when you get to Tehran, because both of the embassies you need to get to are way up north. They're in the foothills of the mountains, and to get there, you have to go up some huge hills. So it's not the kind of trip you want to be doing with your bicycle, because it's going to be really hard work, and you have to be there so early in the morning. It's worth it to take a taxi if you can afford it. 
Uh, you can do some of the journey by public transport, but it's probably going to take you about two hours if you're going, say, from the train station in the south to the embassies in the north in rush hour. And that's if you're using metro and bus for part of the trip, and then you may have to take a taxi in the end for the last little bit. Especially for the Turkmenistan embassy, you really want to get there early. We didn't have too many queues at the Uzbekistan embassy, but there's always heaps of people waiting for their Turkmenistan visa, and they're only open two hours a day. So if you miss that window, then you just have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real rush sometimes. Oh, well. And that's enough for visas now, I think. Um, I want to tell you more about... Uh, We've been adding some new section to our website. Basically, we've added a few new resources uh, of different places we've been along the way. Uh, right now, mostly on Iran, Syria, and Morocco, three wonderful places we're enjoying or have enjoyed. And we'll try to expand on that uh, as we go through. If you go to our website, you should see it as the resources link uh, on the right-hand side or just uh, traveling2.com slash resources. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun actually developing this part of our site over the last few weeks and we're keen to add a lot more practical info for other cyclists because we know there's sometimes a real lack of it for a lot of the countries we're going through. So take a look, you know, drop us an email and let us know what you think. If there's anything else you want us to add or just a comment on how it looks, whatever, we'd love to hear from you. And we've got a contact form on our website or you can email us at traveling2.com. That's us at traveling2.com. Let's get on to uh, a few more fun things. Uh, we have an interview we uh, recorded in Syria with an American that we met. We actually met uh, Tyson in, um, in a cycle shop getting his wheel re rebuilt at the time, and uh, we were having a couple things redone as well, so uh, we ran into him. And uh, here's uh, some stories of him cycling through Europe and the Middle East. Hello, my name is Tyson from America. I started in England, France... Um, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Poland, beautiful. It's, uh, it's heaven cycling there. You should definitely go. Germany and Holland. Very flat, the best roads, perfect. And then um, in Russia, I didn't take my bicycle. Went by train, which is a good idea, I think. Now seeing the country, it may have been a little crazy with a bicycle. Uh, from Russia, I returned with my bicycle to Bulgaria. Bulgaria to Turkey and now Syria so it's great and how long have you been on the road for been on the road since July that's quite a big big trip because now we're sitting in Syria and it's coming into November so yeah <laughs> so it's, it's a long time but uh, it's always been my dream to, to do a trip like this you know not very many people get to do something like this and I realize that um, once you get a job and it, you settle down you know it's hard to, to get away and you have family and kids and you have to make money so now is the best time I think to get away and travel How did you settle on the route that you've actually taken on your bicycle? It's been kind of dictated by the weather I think, you know I was always headed to, headed toward the south for the, for the weather mostly, you know, and you know from cycling the, the rain is a killer so you want to go where it's dry, so... So it was really that fluid. You just bought a plane ticket for London and then set off on your bike, or...? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I really didn't... I didn't have a plan, necessarily. You know, I just kind of went where the road took me, I guess. I don't like to travel with dates, you know, and a set plan, because once you have a set plan, it's like you're always worried about that instead of enjoying what's here right now. You know what I mean? 
And we've met you in Halab or Aleppo in Syria. Correct. And we're sitting in this little bicycle shop, hole in the wall spot. Yeah. With a mechanic who's fixing your wheels. So tell us the story behind that. It's kind of in pieces at the moment. On the floor. Yeah, it's definitely in pieces right now. But um, I noticed about a week ago that my my rim was beginning to tear apart from the spokes. And I asked the guy in uh, in Turkey at a bicycle shop, and he said, oh, it'll be no problem, another 3,000 kilometers, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And so a week later, here I am with a, a broken uh, broken rim, and now I'm, hopefully this one will last at least another 1,000 kilometers so to what Jordan. You, what have you got now? You've got a brand new rim? and uh, A brand new rim, and he's taking my old spikes, which I guess are stronger, maybe Swiss brand, double-butted steel, and putting them on the new rim. Which is from Taiwan, so Were you not, not to knock the Taiwanese, but hopefully we'll be good. <laughs> You're crossing your fingers to get yeah, to Jordan. Yeah, I'm hoping. Eh? I'm hoping. <laughs> well, it's not too far from here, anyway. No, so. no, and uh, should be pretty good roads and pretty flat. So, so tell us about your experiences on the road. What what are some of your best memories or some of the best uh, countries that you've been to so far? Well, like I said, I mean, Germany. They they all have something good about them, you know. All the countries have something good. Germany and Holland, definitely the best cycling. You know, the roads are perfect. The drivers are very nice. I mean, I'm sure you, you, you can see the difference between countries of how the drivers react to cyclists, you know. But um, other places are great, too, like Syria and Turkey. You know, very hospitable people. I feel very welcome there, you know. You go down, you're, you're going through a town and everybody's saying, chai, chai, come in, have tea, have tea, have, you know, whatever. And that's nice too, you know, so I think every country has something great. And, and the Middle East in general, you found it a, a pretty good place to be, to visit, to cycle? Because I know that when we were researching it, we came up across quite a few stereotypes, you know, people worrying that it would be unsafe for us and things like that. What's your experience been so far on a bicycle? Has it all been good? Or? Oh, it's all been awesome. Definitely good. Um, you know, I'd, I'd heard the same stereotypes as what you had heard, you know, from the media, from my government and all this. And then at the same time, I, you know, I'm into traveling, so I'd read travel books and travel stories and heard something totally different, you know. And I also have friends in America that are from the Middle East and Iran and all these countries. And I know that what you know, that my friends are not like that, you know, and so from from travelers that had written books, I had also thought that, you know, the people here aren't like what my government tells me, that, like, that, like they are, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had a great time here, and the, and the people are perfect, you know, I've really, I've really met the nicest people, I've, you know, it's, it's great. <laughs> Before you came on this trip, had you done any cycling in the States, or anywhere else, or? I've done not not long distance cycling, just short distance. Um, probably probably the longest I did was from Miami, Florida to Key West, and back, and so maybe 400 miles. Nothing too long, but was it a little bit nerve wracking then to set out on such a big journey compared to the smaller ones that you've done? I mean, there's a lot more planning involved, maybe or yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, but um, I knew it would be a good experience, you know, and. I was doing something that I love, and I love to travel, and I love a bicycle, and I love the idea of traveling for, you know, saving the environment at the same time, you know, and so I knew that whatever happened, it would it would be a good experience, and I'm doing something I love, so anything that happens is okay, you know what I mean? 
How are you actually living day to day on the road? Are you doing wild camping? Are you staying in campsites? Are you cooking for yourself? Can you give mm -hmm. us sort of a mm -hmm. typical day on the day, typical day on the road? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, at the r right now, I'm doing more um, staying with families and couch surfing in the cities. And then if I um, if I come across a family, you know, it's starting to get dark at night, and I see a, a father with his kids out in the yard. I'll stop and say salam alaikum, hello. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, I have a note that says, you know, I'm from America. I'd like to stay at your house if possible. I, I appreciate it very much. And every time it works, people let me into their house, and it's no problem, you know. I wind up having a great meal and trying to communicate with them, sign language and the few English that, words that they know and a few Arabic words that I know, you know. So it's kind of hard to communicate with them, but it's an interesting bond, interesting way to get to know people. And do you usually end up sleeping in your tent in their yard then, or do they normally invite you actually into the home? They won't let me sleep outside. <laughs> I have to be have to be inside. Have to be. Yeah. Enforced. Yeah. And will they ever and I, I would any like money to stay outside sometimes, but no, they will. They'd never take money. You know, it's it's really hard to pay actually for things here. Like when I get on a bus, for example, they they'll notice that I'm a foreigner and they'll pay for me. You know, and it's it's hard for me because well, I want to on be. The bus will pay yeah, for you. yeah. Like for example, I'm waiting for a bus, and um, a young person next to me notices I'm a foreigner. We start speaking a little bit, and we get on the bus, and he he won't let me pay. You know, it's like I want to pay. I feel bad for him to pay, but he he always pays. It's and quite it's, humbling, yeah, really. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like yeah, that. and I it's I love it. You know, but I wish some way I could give back to them. So. I tell them, Ahlan, America, welcome to America, you know. Hopefully hopefully someday they can come <laughs> and I can be able to give back to them. You must have quite a list of names now, people you're yeah, definitely. when you get back home. Definitely <laughs> a lot of emails. And I, I'm trying to categorize them, you know, chronologically so I can remember uh, remember where I was and who these people were. You'll get home and find ten people on your doorstep already wondering where you've been for the last... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you have any uh, tips or any things that you've picked up on the road? Any tips? Yeah, any advice for people? I mean, definitely, you know, when you travel, the best the best is just, if you're going to know two words, know hello and thank you. You know, you have to, you, you have to know those because they'll, they'll respect you. You know, even if you don't pronounce their hello or their thank you correctly in their language, even if you don't pronounce it correctly, they still appreciate that, that you tried, you know. And so I think that's definitely the best. And, you know, it's... It makes me feel not angry, but it's it's strange to hear. Sometimes you see big buses arrive with tourists to a site, you know, to a historical site, and all the people are speaking French or Spanish or Italian or English, and they use their native language with the locals. And I'm like, all you have to do is learn how to say two words, you know, just learn. It doesn't take a, a long time to learn how to say um, "salam alaikum" or um, shukran, you know, and it's it's easy and it it's it's nice. It's respectful to the people. Just my personal opinion. <laughs> and what about bicycle tips? Is there maybe one thing you're carrying with you that you think, oh, wow, I, if I lost that, I'd be really upset? Or uh, I don't know how heavily loaded you're traveling. Have you got everything you need on there, or are you pretty light traveling? I'm pretty light. I'm pretty light, definitely. Um, as far as tools and and bicycle equipment, I've been pretty good until. Until my rim, you know, but I can't, I can't carry a rim with me, you no, know. No, it's so a bit unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. 
would have been impossible. So, I I take an iPod with me because sometimes I get lonely, you know, by myself. You know, I'm cruising down the road and it's raining and it's windy and I'm going uphill. You know, it's like I need some music, something to to uh, help me out a little bit, give me some morale. You know, but that does it? Does it? The iPod. Is, I often thought I'm. Um, we're really lucky because we have each other, and so, you know, if one person gets tired or a little bit down, we can sort of motivate right, the other right, person. Yeah. At least you can vent a little bit to someone, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a cyclist traveling alone, is that sometimes just really hard? I can't imagine an iPod really completely compensates. <laughs> no, it doesn't completely compensate. No, you know, I mean, I've, I've traveled before with people, and I've traveled before by myself, and this time I had to go by myself because I couldn't find anybody that would go with me. But, um... I mean, yeah, it's hard traveling alone, but at the same time, I think I've met people and done things that I wouldn't have done. Not saying that your trip is, I mean, I'm sure it's it's great. I'm sure it's great. Um, But I've seen things that I wouldn't have seen or wouldn't have done and met people I wouldn't have met if I was with another person, I think. So it's been interesting, you know. And it's like um, I'm definitely out of my comfort zone, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm just I'm out there, you know. Is that a good so thing? Being it's a learning experience. I think it's a learning experience, you know. You got to get outside the box <laughs> to to learn new things. So. Can I ask what your budget was for this trip? <laughs> <laughs> if that's not too impolite a question. Yeah. Just because I, I think mean, it's helpful for other people quite often. In they dollars. Think about you want it in dollars. Sure. Because so. people think yeah, about true. I started with four thousand, four thousand dollars. And I made it during college, and it's tough to save. Like, you all saved in London, you know. It was tough to save, but it was definitely worth it, you know. I'd rather I'd rather go travel around the world than slug down some pints in a, you know, a pub or something, you know. Yeah. So. So $4,000. It's not yeah. much, actually, for a It's not trip. too much, but like you said, free camping, and people are hospitable and always welcoming me into their house, and. And did you have the bicycle and everything you needed beforehand? I did, yeah. The bike, yeah. That's not including the bike. Yeah. So. 4000 to spend on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't sound like too much, but unfortunately it has to come to an end in December. All good things. And I have to, I have to get a real job, you know? Get so a real back life. To Chicago and saving for the next big trip. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Hey, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Didn't expect to come around into this place and... And see two Canadians here, so it's you great. You should start a little hostel here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hostel or something. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Tyson's probably back home now making plans for his next trip, and we wish him all the best. Maybe it's time to share some information on cycling in around with you. It's a country that a lot of people were really worried about us coming to. And I guess it's kind of easy to be scared about Iran when you're not here because there's all kinds of negative news stories out there and... You know, so far, we've only had good experiences. and In fact, I think or I know that this country is definitely the friendliest that we've encountered so far. People have just been wonderful across the board. Yeah, it's just been amazing. Um, When we entered this country, we entered from Turkey in the north, um, and it was really quite cold, and we had had a bit of snow up there, and so we really weren't able to cycle. We were a little bit disappointed in that, but, you know, that's that's part of life coming at this time of year. Uh, So we ended up taking a bus down to Shiraz, uh, unfortunately, there's no wine in Shiraz anymore. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> when we get to Central Asia, we'll make up for it. <laughs> so when we were in Shiraz, we decided to go for a ride out to the Persian Gulf and back to uh, see the Persian Gulf. And uh, we 
we ended up cycling through some very nice uh, areas uh, towards towards the Gulf. I think this um, this part of the the country is definitely a lot warmer and just nicer to to cycle for this this for the winter time of year. Um, we had temperatures of around 15 to 20 degrees in the day, and and at night, if you'd had a nice, a good sleeping bag, there was no problems at all. Only when we had to get out of the tent in the morning, a little bit of a fight every morning, friendly fight about who was going to get out and make the coffee. Eh? Your turn. Yeah, yo, your turn. Um, we did see a bit of snow on the mountains, and there was one night of really horrible weather when we were just coming back to Shiraz. But that's pretty rare. This winter was actually the coldest in Iran for 50 years, and the first time a lot of people can even remember seeing snow on these southern mountain peaks. In fact, a lot of people thought we were really crazy for being on our bikes, but you know, I mean, we didn't really mind it at all. For us coming from Canada, it wasn't really a big deal. Like I said, just getting out of the tent sometimes in the cold mornings, that was a bit tough, but after the first half hour, it was okay. It was fine, it was fine. Yeah, all all over Iran, people have been very friendly, extremely friendly. Uh, It's just unreal. Um, we get invited to, to spend the night, to sleep, uh, for, for tea, for, for meals, everything. Sometimes we just want to put the tent up and actually we just want to hide away and just have a nice peaceful evening and, and, uh, it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of like Morocco in that way, you know, a country where we think we'd hide our tent really well and then some shepherd would come over the hill and want us to come back to his home or could he bring us bread or anything like that and... You know, it's wonderful. The other thing is that if we go into someone's home, we find it's kind of like a party. You know, they pull out all the stops for us, which is great. And we have this wonderful meal, but we tend to eat quite late. And then we want to talk all night. And then the next morning, it's so hard to get going. So that's something to keep in mind. When you do get invited to someone's home, you get this authentic Iranian experience, which is superb. But don't count necessarily on cycling too far the next day because you've been up all night and and it's really hard to leave once you've made those good friends. What else can we tell you? Um, the roads, the roads have been in pretty good shape for the most part. Yeah, but but those Iranian drivers, they're just they're just crazy. Oh, they're Ab- nuts. <laughs> absolutely crazy. I mean, we've heard that there's only one rule, and that rule is that there are no rules. It, it's just it, it doesn't. You you can be in an intersection and suddenly, ah, oh, car can go you know the wrong direction, right towards you, no problem. Maybe maybe reversing at full speed. It's just, I think you really just have to look everywhere and just throw all your misconceptions about, you know, where a car should drive. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah, they don't signal nothing. I mean, to be fair, we are such an attraction as foreigners and on bicycles that usually when cars approach us, they slow down. So you don't need to worry too much about cars flying by because they want to slow down and take your picture as they go past. <laughs> so that's kind of funny and also good, I suppose, from a safety perspective. Um, the one dangerous aspect we've come across are the motorbikes, and those are really, really difficult to deal with because they want to ride alongside us and they want to have a conversation, even though they don't speak any English. And sometimes they want to pop wheelies in front of us just so they can show how cool they are. Yeah, just showing off, really. And the thing is, some of the kids who drive them are really young. You know, parents will say that their kids need the bikes to get to school or to get to the farm. But, of course, the kids use them for joyriding. And some of the drivers we've seen, I'm sure they're only maybe 10 years old. Eight years old, yeah, really young. The other thing you have to think about if you're coming to Iran is what you're going to wear. And, obviously, this is the biggest issue for women. Uh, You have to dress modestly, and that means covering up everything from your ankles to your wrists and also using a headscarf. And so I've been cycling in lycra leggings with a long shirt that covers my bottom. 
and it goes down to about mid-thigh. But uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Sometimes I think maybe the leggings are a bit too tight and revealing for some people. And uh, maybe if I was going to come again, I would buy like a pair of cargo pants or loose trousers that I could cycle in and just get some, some trouser clips. And maybe I'd even add a lightweight skirt that came down to just above my knees over top of the trousers. I mean, you're not going to look nice. It's not going to be high fashion. It's but not a fashion show out there. So. No. Well, it is for some Iranian women, <laughs> actually. <laughs> they look at me pretty funny, but uh, anyway. Yep. <laughs> but for me, it's a bit easier. I mean, I could wear cycle shorts uh, if I wanted to, uh, but I've been mostly wearing uh, the long, long lycra pants as well, uh, which you actually see some of the Iranian cyclists out there wearing as well at this time of year. Yeah, and just one more thing about dress. You know, if you're a woman, you really want to think about what season you come to around. You want to come in the cooler seasons. I mean, I'm a warm cyclist anyway, which I mean by that that I'm always stripping off layers. So maybe you're not quite like that. But in any case, just remember that you're not going to be able to roll up your sleeves. So you definitely don't want to be here in high summer or even probably late spring. It's going to be getting pretty warm for most people, I think, to be cycling fully covered. So maybe if you want to come to Iran and you're a woman, you want to concentrate on winter or early spring and come a bit further south. On the topic of money, uh, don't forget that if you're coming to Iran, um, bring cash. Uh, this, uh, this country isn't hooked up to any international banking networks and nobody takes traveler's checks, credit cards, nothing like that. So uh, if you don't bring your cash, uh, you'll be in trouble. Um, we, we've, we've met a few people who have actually needed to go, go out of Iran and then, and then back in just to, to get money. Yeah, they came here and they had absolutely no idea that the Iranian ATMs are only for Iranians, so you stick your card in, you're not going to get anything back out. Uh, and U.S. dollars or euros, they're both pretty good. They're both accepted and there are exchange shops everywhere, but you've got to carry all the cash you need on you. Kind of scary, but Iran's a safe place, so if you've got to do it anywhere in the world, Iran's probably the place to do it. Well, I guess that's enough on Iran from us. Um, now we'd like to introduce you to Christian. He's an Austrian, and we first met Christian by email, and then we ran into him in person here in Iran. And right now he's about a month ahead of us. He's in Central Asia, heading for China. But before he left Iran, we cornered him for a few thoughts on his trip so far. So, here's Christian. Yeah, I'm Christian. I'm from Austria, 30 years old, and I just decided I couldn't be bothered anymore to, to work, so... I'm just cycling now. I don't know where to, really. And how long have you been on the road for? Uh, seven months now, so far. I started from Austria. I cycled over the Alps to Italy, Ancona, and then to Quarry to Greece. Cycled through Greece uh, to Istanbul. Uh, I took then a bus out of Istanbul because the traffic was just horrible. And then I cycled along the Black Sea coast to Georgia, Armenia, Nagorno-Karabakh, Armenia, and Iran. But I didn't cycle a lot in Iran, to be honest. <laughs> could be bothered. The weather was not nice. How did you decide on that route? Because from Austria, you could have gone any number of ways. You could have flown to New Zealand. I mean, yeah, I always wanted to go to Central Asia. This was was. I mean, it's my first really big trip on a bike. And I mean, Central Asia. The only chance you can do it is by bike or by your own means of transport, bike, car, and, or motorbike. But I'm always interested in cycling. And I was always interested in cycling and, well, I couldn't fix a motorbike myself, but I can fix a bike myself, so I just decided to cycle. So it's important <laughs> to be independent for you then? It's very important to be independent, yeah. yeah. And you said this is your first big trip. What did you do before that? I uh, worked in logistics, transportation, 
and stressful job and not anymore when I come back definitely <laughs> I have decided that yet so far and in terms of cycling did you do anything or just to work yeah. at home or yeah just yeah just did road biking mountain biking downhill biking but mm, yeah just for fun really so how's that been then your first experience of of bicycle touring because it could have really gone all wrong you no, could have I mean, set up from Austria and thought oh no 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, mean uh, I've, I did some touring before but you know easy European countries and like that well of course the weight at first was a little bit difficult to handle but now you get used to it you know it you know <laughs> and has it been any problem being on your own there must be some long stretches of road where you just think yeah. oh, it would be nice to have some company it, sometimes yes but it, I mean normally I don't, I don't like Lonely Planet so much because it's you know all people go the same route but now I'm really when I'm in towns I look out for Lonely Planet budget places because there you can meet other travelers I mean here in Iran I cycled with a German guy for three weeks in uh, Iran, uh, in Turkey I cycled with an Australian guy for some weeks so you always meet people it's no problem and like I will meet a Belgian couple again in uh, Uzbekistan or Kyrgyzstan then, and you know it's okay for me. Of course, sometimes you think, yeah, especially, you know, you see so many things on the road, uh, you want to share some impressions, and you sit alone there. But, well, it was my decision. And Are there I any ways where you think maybe it's easier to be alone? Definitely, it's definitely easy. You don't have to compromise. I do what I want. I, you know, if I do 20 kilometers a day, I do 20 kilometers a day. If, if I like this place now, I stop at this place and don't go further. It's very easy going. And of the trip that you've done so far, are there any bits that stand out, either for, for good or for bad? <laughs> well, I mean, Nagorno-Karabakh was really nice, extremely beautiful. I'd have, yeah, I would Where is that? Um, it's a, actually, I mean, it's a independent country, but it's not recognized by any country in the world. It's uh, in Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan territory, but it's occupied by Armenia in the end. And it's Armenia, you can say it's Armenia. But it's, uh, there was a war until 1994. I mean, there's still a war, but there's a cease, uh, ceasefire since 94, and it's really quiet and safe and everything. But it's beautiful, really, and so friendly people. Iran is fantastic the first months probably but three months is definitely too much <laughs> as I'm already three months here and it's no it's too much three months in such a country is too much for me you almost need that long to arrange the old Central Asian yeah. visas though <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> can you give us a little bit of information on how you went about arranging those visas because I think that's one of the big hurdles for a lot of travelers who want to do the overland trip towards China <laughs> well uh, yeah for me, the Austrian, the Uzbek one was quite easy uh, because we only need a letter of recommendation for, from our embassy, which was not easy at first because my embassy told me they don't give it to me, they don't want me to go there. But in the end, after some discussions with them, I got it in the end and I walked there and it was quite easy, the Uzbek one. Uh, then I had to pick up the Uzbek one, go to the Turkmen embassy and apply for the Turkmen visa and it took another 10 days, 12 days or so. Uh, but it's a lot of hassle because the, all the embassies have opened at the same time. This means from 9 to, I think, 11 or 12, whatever. But you have to queue outside and when, the, when you leave the first embassy, the second one is probably closed. Or you just, you are in the queue and at 11 o'clock they just say, we open again tomorrow because it's 11 o'clock. Then you have to go there again the next day and... 
you know, you stand it again two hours and then they close again and it's a lot of hassle. So it's, what do you have to do, get up at dawn? and? Yeah, it's horrible, I tell you. It's post-Soviet. Yeah. <laughs> so just preparing you for when you actually arrive yes. in the country, I think. <laughs> no, but in the end I got it then. I got it, yeah. So from here you're doing the seven-day dash across Turkmenistan? Yeah. yeah. And then where? Uh, then I'm going to Uzbekistan and then I have no idea really. I mean... It depends also on the snow in Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan. It depends because I'm meeting this Belgian couple again, so it depends also on them what they are doing. But I mean, it's really the wrong time of year for this. What are you doing going to Central Asia? <laughs> uh, yeah, I in know. One of the coldest winters for 50 I, years. I know. <laughs> Please <Is> explain <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I mean, I love the winter. I'm Austrian, you know. I'm used to snow, but I'm used to the cold. But it's yeah, it's very cold. It's definitely the wrong time of the year. So have you bought special things to see you through this frigid part of the world? No, I only got some uh, some warm clothes sent over from Austria, like a sort of down jacket and warmer mountaineering pants. But that's it, really. Should be okay. Should be okay. <laughs> Hopefully. <hope so>. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be there whether it's okay or not. So. <laughs> Depends, yeah. No, should be okay. Yeah. If I can be quite blunt, um, what's all this costing you? It's, I mean, I put 10,000 euros on the bank account. And, well, I don't think that... I, I mean, my, my whole trip is about one and a half, two years. But I, I think it should be fine with 10,000 euros. But if I need more, I have also some more money. But it's just 10,000 euros on a separate bank account. And that's presumably you're doing a fair amount of camping out in yeah, the yeah. middle of nowhere. Yeah, and yeah. Except here in Iran, really. <laughs> no, but yeah. And yeah, I had most of the stuff, like the, you know, I, the only thing I bought really was the tent and the bags. And yeah, it's no problem. And what's your bike look like? What sort of things can you tell us about your bike? Well, it's just a 13 or 12 year old steel frame, Villiers. Uh, I mean, I wanted to buy a proper German one. Uh, but a friend of mine, or not a friend, yeah, I know him quite well from a bike shop. He found this old steel frame in the basement of his bike shop. It's brand new, but, well, 12, 13 years old. And, yeah, he gave it for me, uh, to me for free, really. <laughs> Definitely okay. And I just equipped it with uh, Shimano XT stuff, tubeless racks, and... Brooks and whatever set. And yeah. the old marathon tires, the favorite Of course, for <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm really happy with them. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything, if you look back on on what you've done and the experience you have now, is there anything that you would change or do differently? On the equipment or? Yeah, well, on anything, on the equipment or the way that you approach the trip or? No, I don't know. No, on the trip, not really. Probably spend more time in Georgia. But yeah, I had a problem with the winter really because I was really afraid that I'd get stuck somewhere in Armenia. And I was really lucky because I arrived in Tabriz and it started snowing, so it's, I was quite lucky. I mean, I would have chosen the other color for the bike because yellow is not the, is not the nicest color if you camp wild, you know, but yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> when it's free, I guess yeah. it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. <laughs> so where does the trip end from here? Are you going through Central Asia and then to Kashgar, China? Uh, yeah, I'm going to Central Asia, to Kashgar. And, well, in Kashgar, I have to make a decision. Do a cycle back, like probably Karakoram Highway, Pakistan, and uh, Iran again, Dubai, Oman, Yemen, up Afri Africa, Middle East, and then back to Europe. Or do a just cycle on and fly back once from I don't know where. 
but I have no real destination. Yeah. My major thing is really was the Caucasus and Central Asia. This were my main, my my really the destinations where I always wanted to go to. But what was so wonderful about Georgia? It's very nice. It's rough. It's, I mean, Iran is so soft, so nice, so friendly, and yeah, uh, Georgia is so. It's hard to describe, you know. I mean, yes, you see many drunk people on the streets, and I mean, I don't like that personally, but it's just a whole. Uh, it's a different atmosphere. It's just more, more free the whole thing. And uh, no, I know I just love the Georgian people. The Georgian landscape is fantastic, uh, especially up north with the uh, the Russian Chechen border, and really nice. And throughout your whole trip, have you had any problems at all? Uh, I don't no. know, anything stolen, equipment broken? Yeah, well, my wallet was stolen, but I was stupid. This was an internet cafe in uh, in Turkey, but yeah, okay, this happens. Uh, I broke my front fork. I Well, I jumped into a drain grating, or how you say a drain grating, <laughs> and ripped my low rider off completely from the fork and everything. But I mean, I got it fixed, and uh, quite fixed, but I got a new one sent to Armenia then, and... Yeah, no, this was everything. No problems so far. Just to finish off, are there any tips that you would give other people if they're sitting at home thinking of doing this? So, Just do it. <laughs> you learn on the road anyway, you know. You bring too much stuff. It's it's normal. I send some stuff home. Everybody sends stuff home. It's just take it easy. Don't stress yourself. And don't stay in that job <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> just go out and cycle the world well I hope you enjoyed uh, Christian's thoughts uh, he's probably enjoying a beer in Central Asia somewhere right now and uh, after a couple moments of detox in Iran uh, we're quite jealous yeah I never thought I'd be looking forward to Turkmenistan vodka but it might just be our first purchase once we're over the border my hijab is coming off and Andrew's going to run to the duty free I think <laughs> <laughs> We're well, hoping that's going to be in a in a month uh, when we uh, get all our visa stuff worked out. Hope we're hoping to cross the border on April first, and then make the seven day dash across Turkmenistan and into Uzbekistan. After which, uh, our next big goal is going to be get to Kashgar, China. At that point, we still have to decide where which way we're going. Whether we're going to go north over over to Beijing or go possibly south and into Southeast Asia. Yeah, if you've got any thoughts on that, let us know. We're tempted by both and we're changing our minds constantly. But I guess that's a whole other show to talk about. So for now, it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Happy cycling.